everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, a proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm Tony Andracchi here with Andy Martinez, and we have a special Black History Month edition of the podcast. We had some awesome interviews with some of the local community leaders. Uh, I talked to Levante Stewart, the executive founding director of Lost Boys, and you had a chat with Tracy Abrams, the former U of I basketball player who's now mm-hmm. the CEO of Chicago Positive Impact. So, Andy, with your chat with Tracy, what, what kind of stood out to you most? What was uh, what were some of your main takeaways? I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is what his organization does, which is mentorship. Um, you know, he mentioned one of the key aspects in his life was he had a mentor early on, and that helped guide him in his life and to the success that he was able to have, not only on the basketball court, but at, off of it. And he wanted to bring that to other kids who might not have that. Um, As he told me, you know, sometimes there's things that you don't want to talk to your parents about or a teacher about, but you want to talk to someone about having a mentor is important. And and that was that was really something that you don't always think about. That was really nice to see from from Abrams, um, which I think well, the the listeners at home will really enjoy that. Tony, you talked to Levante uh, Stewart, who's done a lot of work in in the community. What were your what what did you learn from him? What were your takeaways from him? Yeah, I thought it was, you know, a really powerful conversation and, and it was pretty cool because I think there's a direct impact to the Cubs too. I mean, yeah. we see current Cubs players, including a recently signed free agent pitcher yeah. right before the lockout started who hopped on with them in a Zoom call and everything. And and so the kids, it, it's an awesome moment for the kids, but just in general, like we've seen Pitching Ninja interact with Lost Boys and, and in general, like it's a, it's a very, it's um. It's a podcast, or I'm sorry, it's an organization that works closely with baseball, and obviously it, it's about baseball, it's baseball, softball, and teaching facts about life and aspects about life through sport, and I thought it was really cool. I mean, Levante had a lot of interesting discussion points about, including like calling everybody coach, whether they're a therapist, whether they're a tutor, whether they're actually a coach, you call them coach, and it's a sign of respect, and that stood out to me was how much the word coach meant to the organization. It meant to Levante, it meant to everybody who worked with him. And, you know, he started it in 2008, 2009, and, and just going through that to the point where some of the kids he was coaching back then are now a part of his staff. They're 21, 22, 23 years old. And so I thought that was kind of cool to see it come full circle. So I thought it was a really interesting chat uh, from both guys. And, and we got to hear a lot about the Chicago community and different aspects of it. So. Let's hear from Levante Stewart Sr., again, the founding executive director of Lost Boys, Inc. You guys started this in 2009. From your perspective, what, what led you to starting it? You know, what's the kind of origin story of Lost Boys? Yeah, absolutely, Tony. So <clears throat> the impetus for starting Lost Boys, I was uh, in 2008, I was a Little League coach. I had been a Little League coach for about two or three years, uh, South Shore Little League which had disappeared from the community for over two decades. And so a gentleman who wasn't necessarily from the neighborhood moved to the neighborhood and kind of resurrected it. And so I was excited that, you know, grew up in it as a kid. So I wanted to be a part of it as an adult. So came in coaching, um, won the league championship in 12U my first year. So I was kind of hooked into (laughs) coaching, right? Um, And so I did it for, a couple of more subsequent seasons. And at last season, we were like in the middle of the summer, middle of a practice. And I got word that the league president was folding the league and there was really no explanation or reasons why there was no contingency plan. And so I'm looking at these kids that I got these 12 or so boys 
and I'm getting, I'm explaining to him, you know, that this is about to end and I can get him over to one of our league mates like Jackie Robinson West or Southside Little League. Um, and right in the middle of talking to him, we kind of experienced this traumatic incident where there's these two guys kind of chasing another guy and, you know, they've got guns. And uh, so I'm old school, I hit the dirt and the boys are kind of just standing around laughing, talking about it, you know, like if the guy's going to catch him or not. And so at that moment, I really just recognized how desensitized they were to gun violence. And so there was kind of mixed emotions for me because I'm, I'm, you know, now 46, I was about 30 years old then or so. And, um, and so in my mind, I just started thinking about what it was like for me growing up in the neighborhood at that age and as I got older. And so I was thinking about my own contributions to the community, um, even the negative ones, right? And I'm like, comparing that to what these kids have to grow up in. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm from the boys in the hood era. So we contributed to this environment uh, maybe unknowingly when we were younger, right? We, we set this, we helped set the stage for this, that gun violence had become so normalized um, that we could just move past it in our daily lives as if it were just a train rumbling through the community. Um, so at that point, you know, I just kind of had an epiphany and I was like, man, you know, just keep them going. So we started barnstorming and I started going to local businesses and trying to solicit donations so I could get these kids, you know, some new uniforms and thinking how I'm going to label all of this. And so then I started paperwork uh, to become a, a nonprofit, a 501c3, because I'm like, okay, in order to get donations, I need to have a tax exemption status so that people can, you know, deduct these donations from their taxes, et cetera. So I wanted to do everything right. And that process was amazing because it challenged me to think bigger than what I was initially thinking. So as I started formulating all of this paperwork with the state and the federal government, it started posing questions like, what is your mission? What is your vision? What is this? What is that? And it was a lot of things I hadn't thought about. I was like, look, I just got a couple of boys and I want to play some baseball. <laughs> and um, and in that challenge, as I continued with those boys and over the next couple of years recruiting and trying to bring in new kids to the team, um, I started paying closer attention to the little nuances about kids and their behavior and their attitudes. And so, you know, there's already a um, kind of a negative myth or stereotype about black boys and their attitudes and that you can't work with them and that they're not coachable. And, you know, there's all these negative stereotypes around it. And so I really wanted to challenge those stereotypes because, you know, being a black male myself, I knew that stuff wasn't all true. And so when you really pull back the veil, what I started learning about the kids and what I started learning in what I was doing was that, hey, there was something deeper here there was something that needed more attention within them. And I basically, as I started building out my program more, I stopped focusing as much on being competitive in baseball. And I started focusing more on individualized development, but through a, a group process. And in so doing that, I didn't have a name yet for what I was trying to do, but I was also pursuing uh, my second master's degree in public administration at DePaul University here in Chicago. And so I did my thesis uh, on a partial outcomes evaluation of lost boys. And so that's when I finally stumbled across 
an actual name for what I was doing. So there was a social science theory that existed and it was called sports-based youth development. And so it, it matched perfectly what I was thinking in my mind and my heart, which was sports has the power to change society. And that, that was the general premises is that sports can change society, sports can change people, it can change institutions, it can change mindsets. Sports has been that elevated platform in America that has helped to bring social change to this country. And no sport more than baseball, when you really think about it. We've dealt with racial equality on that field. We dealt with economic equality on that field. We've dealt with gender equality on that field. When the men went off to war, the ladies played ball, which opened the door for more women in sports and Title IX and all of these other things that happened, right? Um, and so I just really saw that, that that was the future for Lost Boys and for myself. And, um, and so from there, you know, we just really started incorporating more and more of the SBYD and then we really formalized our programs around it and around positive youth development and something called the five C's. And so eventually that led to us having uh, a really strong structure. So, you know, three pillars, recreation, education, cultivation. And under each, there are various uh, sub areas of focus like civic engagement, cultural awareness, academic enrichment, social emotional learning, mentoring, um, what I call non-traditional recreation, giving kids an opportunity uh, to experience and be exposed to other recreational activities that they're not normally accustomed to doing, uh, whether that's kayaking, fishing, you know, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we came about. That's the uh, the origin story of Lost Boys, and uh, and we've been just you know kind of doing it from there. I mean, we still love baseball and softball, and we want to win. But at the end of the day, I always tell people, you know, long as we got these kids in here and they're developing themselves, we've already won. No matter what happens on that field, we've all, we're already flying the W. And. You, you like that origin story is, I mean, it's really profound, like you said, and baseball and sports can be this very healing um, type of activity, but in galvanizing force as well. And, and I'm curious, Levante, like, what role did baseball or sports play in your own life? You know, like, what were your experiences coming up? And how have you seen, you know, sports maybe like affect others around you? Well, you know, Tony, that's funny you ask, and there's a lot of stories out on me on Google about it. Uh, one very interesting story is about this championship college football ring on my finger, but sports has played a significant role in my life. I love to tell people that sport was my saving grace. So I was a multi-sport athlete. Um, of course, I wasn't great at everything. You know, I was mediocre at some things, and baseball is one of those things that I was mediocre at but I worked really hard to improve myself. Um, so that was one thing about me that I've infused into this organization is self-determination and you know, having an insane work ethic for yourself and pushing yourself, willing yourself to the destiny that you choose for yourself. And so we have a simple motto around here, go hard or go home. You know, that, that's what we preach in here. So whether it's in school, whether it's on the field, whether it's in helping your community, whether it's in helping the next person. For me, um, again, sport was my saving grace. So, you know, I don't have the typical tale that you often hear um, 
from people like me in my community. So I didn't grow up in poverty. I didn't grow up from in a single family home. We were upper middle class income family. Uh, my siblings and I, we had both of our parents. We went to some of the top schools in Chicago. Uh, you know, my brother and sister went on to graduate from Ivy League colleges. Um, you know, I've got advanced degrees as well. We're, we're the children of a Chicago public school teacher, a CTU member. And our father was a computer programmer, one of only two black men that worked at, at corporate Amico at the time when it was headquartered in Chicago. So, you know, we came up in Catholic schools, Catholic church, we were in Boy Scouts. And so, you know, I kind of had a classic American dream type of childhood. But the problem was in parts of my community that made me kind of stand out as a target. Right. So, you know, being a smart kid that went to the nice school, some kids didn't like that. And so I would get teased a lot about it. And like any kid, I just wanted to fit in and be kind of cool. Um, and, you know, I wanted the girls to like me, but the girls all like the dad boys. So I'm like, hey, you know, I kind of started testing the waters and just trying to blend in with everybody. And like I said, blend into different parts of the community. I found myself on the, the wrong side of the fence. And uh, so the thing about it is once you kind of start dabbling in that dark side, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit intoxicating. So, you know, I really kind of got caught up in it, in that lifestyle for a while. And it, it, um, it threw me off track. But the thing that always brought me back was sports. Sports, again, was my saving grace. So <clears throat> no matter what was happening in my life, sport was always the thing to bring me back, even when I was off in college, um, you know, had already won this championship ring with Hampton in football, ended up leaving there because of academics, not doing well, ended up in Missouri going to college on a double scholarship for baseball and football, got down there and screwed up and landed myself in prison. But even while in prison, I was able to turn things around for myself and make my time productive because I got involved in all kinds of stuff in the institution and I helped bring all types of sports that weren't being played to the prison that I was in. So we brought baseball, we brought flag football. You know, uh, I helped bring a program called um, Therapeutic Communities, which is still, which is now used nationally around the country. It's a model in, you know, used inside of, of prisons to improve uh, behavior and rapport, you know, between inmates and, and staff, et cetera. But again, my whole point is that, um, you know, when I've been in my lows, it has always been sport that has pulled me back, that has saved me. And so, yeah, I definitely thought about that, Tony, and I wanted to incorporate that um, somewhere down the line in my life. And so Lost Boys gave me that opportunity to, to amplify that message to young people and to help young men, maybe like myself, who were kind of getting off track and were into sports or you know, get them into sports and just let them know what sport can do for you. How have you seen that play out with some of the kids in your program over the last, you know, decade and a half here? How have you seen, or like what kind of feedback maybe have you heard about sports playing a role in, in others' lives and in, in kids that you've coached throughout this time? Yeah, a great question again. And that's what's so amazing about this is oftentimes what you'll find with nonprofits is, you know, they do amazing work. But it's pretty short term, right? It's eight week programs, 12 week programs. And you've got kids that kind of rotate in, rotate out. There may be some uh, attrition or there's not a real high level of retention. But in our early years, 
you know, something just told me that this was going to be more longitudinal. You know, it's going to have more life to it. And so now 14 years down the road, I am seeing that in real time. And it is so amazing and it is so heartwarming. So the young people that are now my staff that are 21, 22, are the same kids that I was coaching when they was 10 years old, right? Nine years old. So now they've returned to become the, the next line of, of instructors, of coaches, of mentors. And so we've put an emphasis on that title, coach. It is significant around here. It means everything, right? It means teacher, extra parent, mentor, therapist. It has so much meaning all wrapped into one. And so that's why everyone around here has to adopt the title of coach. Whether they're actually a coach or not, they could be a tutor, they can be an administrative worker, but we pass it to the kids that they understand that, you know, you preface everyone's name with the title co coach out of respect. And in that title means a lot, it, it, it means the world to us. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm blown away, Tony, at the young people that come back and they work for us. And I'm getting older now and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with aging, right? I'm like, man, I'm a stone's throw away from being 50 years old already. I can't believe this. But, you know, a lot of the young people, they come back and they call me pops now. And so, you know, and a lot of them have honestly shared with me how they feel. And they say, man, listen, you know, maybe I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad or I didn't have my dad in my life growing up. And you were like my dad. And so hearing that, man, is so emotionally moving as a father of four um, to know what that feels like. And like, you know. Um, again, I said I grew up with both of my parents, but the truth of the matter is my father was uh, my stepfather, but I don't call him that. He's a great man. This is my father. And uh, unfortunately, he was taken from me after Vietnam by gun violence in Chicago. So as a young man, I had to grow up and wrestle with that as well. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's just really meaningful how it's all come full circle and again how it has some connection to something in my life it's like everything around lost boys has some connection to my own life and so one of the things that i tell everybody is hey i'm the chief lost boy right so meaning i'm the first i'm the first that if you name the screw up i probably did it in my life at some point um and so i try to be a, a living testament and testimony to people that hey you know, life ain't over. Like Mickey told Rocky, get up, you bum. I ain't heard no bell. Get up. So, you know, that's what it is around here, man. It's like life. Life will knock you down, especially when you look like me and you come from where I come from, right? Life will knock you down and it will put its foot literally on your neck. And, you know, you got to know how to get back up and keep fighting. And so that's the main thing that we want to teach our young people around here is that tremendous amount of resilience that it takes to be successful. I love that story that you talked about with, um, with everybody being referred to as coach, regardless of what position they hold. And I think that it's relatable and powerful, you know, maybe especially even for our audience. I, I know last year, Cubs hitting coach, Anthony, I posted, we talked to him in spring training and he mentioned how, you know, yeah, hitting coach is his title, but he feels like a therapist a lot. He feels like a friend or a mentor or a lot of different things because coach nowadays at any level, whether you're talking about, you know, the highest level of baseball or, you know, little league or any other sport, they play so many roles. So I, I thought that was really cool. I, I like that story a lot. And 
you know, Levante, when you're looking at Lost Boys and where do you see it going in the future? What are you hoping to accomplish, you know, short or long term as we move this thing forward? Oh, man, Chris, I've got so many visions and dreams for the future. We were just talking about this last night with the board of directors, <clears throat> but we're definitely looking at two immediate things in the short to midterm. We want to continue to scale the work that we're doing in the communities that we're in now and just kind of shoring that up, bringing more kids in from those communities, um, expanding the footprint of baseball, right? We, amazingly, somehow, when it comes to, to Black participation, it's still very low, right? When we look across the MLB, we look across college baseball, we look across high school, we look across youth leagues, the numbers are just down. And so just getting kids in our community that look like me to be interested in the game again and getting involved in it, you know, has been a daunting task. So that's one thing is just bringing the game back to life in the black community where I can help. Right. I'm just one person. Uh, we're just one crew. But where we can, you know, do our due diligence, uh, you know, we will. And we have some amazing partners all around this country who are doing the same things. We got lead in Atlanta led by uh, former Chicago Cub, CJ Stewart and his wife, uh, Kelly Stewart. Uh, you've got even here in Chicago on the West side, Eric Davis and uh, Frank Brim with the base Chicago, which comes out of Boston. The base started in Boston and is still being run out there. So there are some amazing efforts around the country and we just wanna be blend in and, and be a big part of it. Like Harlem RBI, which is now called Dream up in New York. Uh, and shout out to, to Jake Mintz, by the way, who's with, uh, I think Jake is doing some stuff with Harlem Little League out there from uh, Fox Sports. Um, but Jake has been amazing, helped raise money. So, you know, it's just been this bubble up of support for us. And so, you know, we want to use that momentum to keep going. So we want to scale. We want to expand into a couple of other communities where baseball is not that prevalent or it's just not there. We want to help bring it there. Um, we want to continue to work across communities. You know, with Chicago being one of the most segregated communities in the city, I mean, in the, uh, I'm sorry, in the uh, country, we want to continue to make sure that our kids have access to and exposure to youth from across these other 76 communities, right? We want them to have friends that don't look like them because that's what, you know, that's what really makes America great is its people and our ability to connect with one another and to rise above biases and discrimination and you know we're in a, we're in a tough time the last five years of America right we've got different forces that are trying to pull us apart when there are many forces trying to bring us together and I think that uh, at the end of the day you know bringing our city bringing our country together you know is going to be more beneficial and it's going to happen more so than letting anybody tear us apart we're loving the Cubs man they have been an awesome group who have embraced us, our good friend, Alicia Gonzalez, who's the executive director of charities, close friend of mine in Sport Youth Development Network, um, Sports-Based Youth Development Network. She's been amazing and Jen has been amazing over there. The kids have had so much access to Wrigley, which was something that didn't happen for me as a kid. I didn't see my first Cubs game until I was 40, uh, believe it or not, right? I'm a Sox fan, but you know, I love the Cubs. They came on every Sunday, Andre Dawson, Sean Dunstan and the guys. You know, you couldn't be a Chicagoan without watching them Cubs, man. So, you know, we're just excited. We want to continue that. Um, and we want to spread Lost Boys a little bit more around around our city. Uh, I don't necessarily have any, any national plans. I mean, I'm not close towards them. You know, we've had some cities reach out to us and communities in other places. 
And, you know, we've kind of teased the idea of bringing our model to those places. But right now, you know, I'm, I'm focused on Chicago. Uh, we are trying to get to the west side next year and expand to North Lawndale. So we're working on that right now, hoping that that can happen this year or next year. We just expanded out to Augill Gardens. Uh, so we're excited about that and uh, and part of Roseland. So, yeah, we're just excited where we are, Tony. Uh, we're really focused on building a state-of-the-art sports-based youth development community center in Chicago. There are not many around the country, but we want to build one that will be open to our community members and they can come in and, and you know, take advantage of the place and, you know, getting young people in and around baseball, especially in Chicago in the cold, getting them inside where they can continue and learn to grow and love the game and just make it exciting. So we're hoping to build a center within the next year or two um, and partner with Driveline Academy, which I think is, uh, they're based out of uh, like Arizona or something, uh, of Seattle, Washington. So Devin Morgan, shout out to those guys. So yeah, we got big plans, Tony. We're just hoping to bring them all together. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. That was a great interview with Levante Stewart. For more about Lost Boys and what the work Levante Stewart's doing, head on over to MarqueeSportsNetwork.com. And now we'll go to a chat that I had with the CEO of Chicago Positive Impact, Tracy Abrams. How did the organization come about? Um, like, how did you start it? Like, and why did you decide to start it? Um, so I started the organization um, for me when I was growing up as a young student athlete playing basketball. Um, I was graced enough to have a mentor and just to have somebody that just be a positive role model, a positive source of encouragement. Um, I thought it was really important for me to you know keep going, keep me motivated. And um, that was something that I always wanted to be able to give back to, to the youth and the kids in my community, especially where I grew up around. So once I had a mentor, it was something that I knew like, I want to make sure that I'm able to give back um, just as well as people gave to me. So that's kind of where I started. Um, a little bit about myself, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um, I went to Mount Carmel High School. Um, at the high school, um, I went to the University of Illinois. Um, I was there for six years. I played basketball throughout my experience. Um, but I was there for six years. I was able to earn two master's degrees. And in my master's degrees, I was focused on education policy and organization leadership. And um, I was big on giving back um, this organization called Hometown Heroes. So I was like one of the athletes who always went back um, to connect with the schools weekly. So after basketball, I knew that I, was, I wanted to get into that lane after learning a little bit about education and policy. So um, played professionally a couple of years um, overseas in Serbia and Greece. And then I came back home three years Ago, three and a half years ago, and I started Chicago Positive Impact um, in Chicago Public Schools. So um, now we got 10 schools and we're just going. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization? Like, wh what is the goal of it? Uh, what do you guys do? Uh, for those that might not know uh, anything about the organization. Um, the goal of the Positive Impact is to provide skills, students with skills that they can use in the future. Um, leadership skills, leadership qualities, teamwork, um, building exercises. We just wanted to make sure that we provide an extra resource that students can use and qualities that they can use throughout the rest of their life. Um, whether that's integrity, knowing what integrity is, how to use integrity in your lifestyle, how to, how it's important, not only in the stage that you're in now, but why it's important moving forward. Whether that's discipline, 
um, just just little qualities and stuff that you carry for the rest of your life. So that's our main focus to be an extra resource, positive um, for our kids. You mentioned, you know, you moved back here three and a half years ago when you first started Chicago Positive Impact to today. How have you seen it grow? How have you seen it adapt from from day one to now? And, and what's that kind of been like to see that? It's grown a lot. Um, we started off, like I said, my first year, I literally just worked in one school, uh, Persian Elementary. Now we're in 10 schools. Um, plus, I have a strong team of like six to seven employees. Um, so it's grown a lot. We've expanded with students, um, kids that started in the program in fourth grade. Now they're in sixth grade. So just to see their progress and improvement, we have kids that's graduated out the program. And the unique things, they all come back to the program and want to find a way to um, give back to the kids who are in the program now. So um, that's one, That's those are the great ways that I've seen the program grow. Um, you just gotta continue to keep up the progress and continue to find ways to reach the kids. Uh, sports, I mean, I, obviously you mentioned for you, it played a huge impact in, in, in your life. Um, when you see it, you know, the impact that it can have on kids, how, how important is that? And, and how does it keep them safe and maybe teach them um, skills that they can learn, not only, you know, whether it's dribbling a basketball or whatever, or, but for more importantly for the rest of their lives. I think sports teach you a lot of life skills that you will use, um, whether that's teamwork, whether that's being able to work uh, in a group and being able to have disagreements while working in a group, um, understanding how to learn while working and having fun. So knowing that all this stuff, no matter what sport you play, you can play baseball, basketball, football, all the things that you learn in a sport, it translates into real life, dealing with people, dealing with business. Um, um, the, how do you accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in your life? So all those things translate. And that's why one of the main things we want to continue to reiterate with our students, uh, the importance of, you know, taking the qualities that you learn from being a, a sport and transferring into your real world. Uh, you, you touched on it a little bit, but like what impact directly have you seen um, from whether it's for kids, whether it's for the community as a whole, what direct impacts have you seen through your organization? Uh, and, and what's that, you know, how does that feel for you knowing that, Hey, I, I played a role in this. Yes. I think a lot of my kids, when I first get them, um, I really emphasize and talk about decision-making and how, you know, telling them that you're in control of your decision, no matter the good outcome and a bad outcome, just, just letting them know you're in full control of your decisions that um, you know right from wrong and being able to figure out, does this decision helps me get positive um, outcome? Does this decision help me get negative outcome? So I just kind of try to keep it real simple. But I see the decision making has been really good with my students, the behavior. Um, we hold our kids to a high um, standard in terms of behavior because we do um, weekly check-ins with our schools. Um, to make sure that they are, you know, behaving in class, participating in class, um, carrying those qualities that we're trying to teach on the court uh, through field trips and stuff like that. We want to make sure that they're carrying those same things in the room. So um, I would say decision-making and behavior and, um, are our biggest two things that I noticed. And um, it's, it's super encouraging just to see guys, you know, they want to come in, they want to get better. So, yes. I think you, you kind of touched on it, but is that how the name Positive Impact kind of came to be? I mean, I feel like when you're starting an organization, the name's, you know, half the battle. Um, is that how the name uh, came to be was the, the, the Positive Impact? Yeah, the name came about just because of that. Um, I, for me, I was figuring out, like, when I had uh, my mentors, there's just like, be positive, 
um, think positive. And I was always like, you know, that helped me, that motivated me to be a better decision maker and be better with my behavior. So I was like, if I can create this thing to where we can holistically look at it as a community to be positive, um, that'd be pretty unique. Mentorship is maybe something that is often overlooked, right? Like there's, there's like, oh, we need, we need to, you know, we need to do this for the community or whatever. But I think people sometimes forget about mentorship. Um, so when you start something like this, um, like how have you seen it evolve uh, the, the mentorship aspect, whether it's from you or whether it's, you know, maybe, you know, an older kid helping a younger kid, whatever, like how, how important is mentorship and how have you seen that kind of evolve? I think mentorship uh, is extremely important um, resource um, for kids. Um, you, you want an outside source other than your teacher sometimes because it's strict, other than your parents because you want to, you know, it's your parents. People don't really like to share a lot of different information with their parents. Um, the mentorship add the extra component of like safety, reinsurance, positivity. Um, and that's one of the main things that I, I noticed as well that. The kids really, really enjoy have getting positive feedback. And I think that with today's time and technology, it's important to also have somebody like a mentor that's live, giving you like real life situations about how to deal with situations, how to cope and deal with teamwork and different stuff like that. Um, how, uh, what, what do you think is next for Chicago Positive Impact? How do you want, how do you hope to see it grow? And, and, and I guess, yeah, what comes next? Um, in terms of us, we want to, I'm going to keep it simple. We want to make sure that we're doing at least a couple of events uh, each month. Um, adding whether that's, uh, we have an art show coming up. Like this week, we have a basketball tournament. We have leadership workshops. So we just want to be consistent with the resources that we're providing, um, whether that's not sport, whether it's sports related. We just want to make sure we, you know, we're keeping resources for the kids. And a long-term thing that Chicago Positive look for is we want to have our own facility where our we could combine all the different kids from, you know, our west west side location, um, south side locations, and like combine those students and get over them to work together, build together, learn together. I just hope to be that positive resource for our kids throughout Chicago. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. Thanks for listening.